This is Bo Buchanan with Arizona Lodge Number 2, and I'm here speaking on the level with Rob Marquis. Rob, why don't we start out by giving me your full name, the name of your home blue lodge, and any offices or titles you have connected to that lodge. My name is Rob Lyle Marquis. I belong to Arizona Lodge Number 2. I was master of that lodge in 2006. I also belong to Arizona Sunrise 88, and I'm currently the junior warden in that lodge. And we are down at the temple right now having breakfast, uh, getting ready for uh, daily lodge in about an hour. Do you remember the first time you ever heard of this thing called masonry? Not really. It. My sister was talked into joining Joby's, and that was really the first time I had heard about it. Okay. My mom had an uncle, I believe, that was a mason. Didn't mean that much to me. How were you younger? Were your sister younger or older? She's about a year younger than me. You're younger, okay. So she was in your teens, probably. She yeah. was early teen. Okay, you heard about your sister joined Joby's, right? Okay. And uh, the girl that got my sister in, her brother approached me about Demolay, and of course, at that time, I was just interested in girls, <laughs> and so I he couldn't tell me anything about that organization. Had he told me, maybe I would have been interested in joining. Had he told you, hey, you can check out the Joby? <laughs> no, and, and that was the point. Is I, I asked him, if, oh. you know, hey, do you guys meet girls? Do you have any interaction with the Jobies? And none. And he says, no, not really. Oh, forget that. You know, yeah, and I wasn't into the swords and the little capes, so <laughs> I, I didn't join them. So how long what, did there come a point when you decided to start researching masonry and, and figuring out what it was? No, um, it was many years later, a friend, a friend of mine that I was working with, he was going through the degrees, and we started talking, and he started exposing me a little bit to the history of it. I love history, and I love that even though it's entirely possible this is all made up, it was made up a long time ago. <laughs> and, well, but the historical figures who held this to be important... Right. You know, Washington, Franklin, Voltaire, Bolivia. There's no denying the historical references go back many years. And the fact that I could identify myself as a Mason to Washington just with a simple little gesture, and he would recognize me as something that is very, very cool to me. And I, I just appreciate the history and the honor and just the sheer weight of the organization. So how old were you when this when you met somebody at work and started talking about the history and things like that? Or when oh, was it? Gosh. Well, I'm old now, and that was 17 years ago, so... Okay, so 17 years ago is when you started looking into it. So how much, once you started talking to this friend you worked with, how long did it take before you actually joined? A few months. A few months, okay. And you were raised in Arizona number two? Mm-hmm. Okay. What, so you talked a little bit about the historical reference what was it that find you finally put you over and said you know what i'm i'm joining i'm signing up it was this building this building it i mean it, it's old it needs repair sure for all i know it's got black mold that's going to kill us all <laughs> but i love the building cornerstone laid in 1925 you can see all the the 20s architecture, the transoms, the woodwork. I, I fell in love with the building. And I decided this is where I wanted to be. 
I think at the time Tempe may have had a lo- still had their lodge, which would have been much much closer to me. Right. But it was a much more modern building, and it just didn't have the weight of history on the it. History. So, uh, what happened when you joined? So you became worshipful master at some point. How long after you joined till you became worshipful master? Well, from what ninety eight to two thousand six. 2006 was the year you became mm-hmm. worshipful master. It, it had the the progression started fairly soon. You know, as you know, you show up to lodge regularly, and sooner or later, somebody's going to ask you to fill in a chair. Right. And if you do that a little bit, everybody's hard up for officers, so they ask you. Next thing you know, you realize that they need you to do this, and I I like to help out and participate, and you know, it makes you more a part of it. Right. So can you think of uh, a memory, maybe even from the year you were worship master, anything stand out to you that was one of your more memorable moments that uh, you want to share? Not really. It, it's all, it's kind of been a blur. <laughs> it, it, it's like life. And we really don't have events so much. There's a few negatives. Um I belonged to the shrine. They raised their dues. I had to bail out because I had been laid off. But that didn't really have anything to do with this organization. And uh, I didn't ask you, so any other bodies you were a member of? Any did you join York, Great Scott, any of those other groups, or just the shrine? No, I at one time I belonged to pretty much all of them. I was oh, York, wow. Great Scottish Right Shrine. And then I lost my job, so I demitted from the York and the Scottish. And the shrine, too. It's only been about two years since I've been back with the Shrine. Oh, so you are back with the Shrine. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So you, you were able to leave and then go back pretty seamlessly. Pretty much. I don't know what that process is like, but what's the attraction at the Shrine for you? That's a real tough one because it doesn't have much of an attraction, actually. That's another organization that's very philanthropic. They've got the, the children's hospitals. And it feels good to be part of that and support that effort. Right. As far as the shrine itself for me, I haven't found a unit that that fit for me. I thought maybe the motorcycles and... Yeah, I don't know a lot about that, but all the different stuff they do are broken up into these units. They have, yeah, they're, they're sub-clubs. Um, they've got a motorcycle unit. These guys like to ride motorcycles. And so they do things that they can generate money to support the shrine. They've got aviation units. They've got clowns that go out and appear at the hospitals. They've they've really got something for everybody, except I haven't found one for me just yet. <laughs> Not yet. Well, I, I went into the shrine because of the bagpipe unit, because I was interested oh. in learning how to play the pipes. I found out I'm a lousy practicer, so, <laughs> and they fell apart through lack of membership, and I demitted at the time. So You know, the worshipful master in Scottsdale, Bob uh, Bethel, is... Uh, I was over there the other night, and he cracked out his bagpipes. I understand that there's somebody at the shrine that's maybe starting up again, so I'll, oh. I'll have to consider that. I think I still got some of my stuff. So you've been at number two then for how many years? It was 17 last 17 year. 17 years. This year, or um, this month, I mean. 17 years this month. Mm-hmm. Many, many, many good friends here? Some. Yeah. Some. People tend to come and go. Uh, and you have to be careful because some of the older guys you make friends with have got a nasty tendency of dying. Yeah. 
you know, like I said, that's life. That's part of space, life yeah. everywhere. And they, there have been some really, really cool old guys that you really look up to. And Anybody that stands out you want to mention or talk about? <sighs> well, I, I hate to mention names just for fear of, you know, I don't know, maybe embarrassing someone or somebody, but uh, Rick Driver is a huge mason. He's constantly going over to England and Scotland and visiting these lodges that you have to go into by invitation only. Mm-hmm. He he is just, I mean, he is hardcore masonry and just a wonderful guy to talk to. And, uh, Do you remember number two or was he a... Yeah. Rick yeah. Driver, I don't think I've met him. I haven't seen him down here for a long time. Oh. I, I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm sure that, that uh, Andrew would know about him. There's a whole bunch of guys that, you know, they just pop in and out. And Have you ever had a chance to visit uh, different state lodges or different inter- internationally at all? No, only in Arizona. Oh, yeah, me too. What uh, uh, What was your, your, you said you served a year as worshipful master, and then when you are worshipful master, you're referred to as a past master. Can can you think of, what what was that year like for you, just on a, on a broad level? What was the, what did, what did you enjoy about that time? Usually, the worship master has some sort of message and agenda, and he does, you know, his year is determined, you know, usually has some kind of stamp on it based on what he did. Organization has never really been my strong suit. <laughs> um, I, I relied very, very heavily on the secretary at that time. Which was? That was John Ruth. John Ruth, yeah. I've, heard, I've never met John, but I've heard a lot about uh, him. Fantastic guy. He's, he kept me out of a lot of trouble. And I, I was brought up under kind of a military organization whereby I may be in charge, but I know there's this other guy that's actually working behind the scenes and doing all the dirty work and making you look good. Right. And that's what John did for me. I didn't really have an agenda for Lodge. We just, my goal was to survive the year and not look like an idiot. <laughs> It, I, I've seen masters come in since then, and they've got definite hardcore agendas that actually go against the grain of the lodge, and it causes problems. And you do have to work. You've got an organization. You have to work with the organization. You have to use your people and not try to stand apart. So for me, being a master was not the big peacock, look at me, I'm in charge. It was how can we work how can we keep going? You know, how can we survive as opposed to trying to ramrod and we, not me. It was all about we. Right. Just it, hearing what you're saying is I hear Tom Mish is our worst master this year, and I hear a lot of that from him now. As he's his, his theme is like harmony, right? And I, we have to do it as an organization. Masonry is not about any one person. I did not become master of the lodge to say that I was master of the lodge. I did it because the lodge needed me to do it. I have seen other guys around that feel they deserve it. They want that brownie button, and they're doing it for the wrong reason. I've never heard that term, brownie button. It's feather in a cap. Yeah, yeah, feather in a cap. Yeah, I'm just teasing. I'm like, yeah, brownie button. I like that. <laughs> but there are there are those around who that is their sole reason, and they want to put their mark on it. They want to be able to put their stamp. If they had a can of spray paint, they'd write their name on the wall to prove they were there. And I, I feel that's wrong. So what keeps you 
Now, you mentioned before you got laid off there a few years, you demitted from the organizations. Now you're coming back, you joined the Shrine, you're in two lodges now, number two in Arizona Sunrise. What keeps you coming back? Why during, you know, in a downtime, why don't you just walk away and say, forget it, I don't care? It seems like I can be useful. It seems like I can help out a little bit. You know, it may not be a big thing, but maybe make things run a little smoother. Just kind of, you know, throw a hand in. Like one of the things I always think about you, I won't, I won't give any detail here, but you, when we do our ritual work, there's a particular part where you're doing a lot of preparation. I always, and when we do anything where it's like, is Rob doing that tonight? Because that's kind of one of the things you've done. One of the ways you've identified you're going to pitch in and help is that's your thing. I always and, think of you when we do when that happens. Yeah, and they're just little things. You, yeah. don't, you don't do it for glory. I don't do it to be singled out. I, it's just, it helps. Right. And I think that's the attitude to have. What would you say to, to Masons who are listening to this, you know, in the future, 50 years, 100 years from now, who are coming up? What would you say to them about uh, advice you would give them about being a Mason or being a good Mason? I think you need to set your ego aside. You need to get to know your organization. And I'm sure that you'll see deficiencies. You need to find out how to work within the system to help correct those deficiencies and not say, oh, there's this thing that's wrong. I'm going to fix that right now. You need to recognize your systems in place. You need to recognize your procedures and you need to work within the system to affect a positive change. Just like you would do if you don't like what the government's doing. You exactly. work within the system. You don't become that maverick that runs in and starts swinging a baseball bat. And we've seen that. Right. Well, that's good advice. Any any closing thoughts or anything else you'd like to say? Uh, just that the organization has really helped me out a lot. I've never liked public speaking, and this has given me an ability to at least be able to stand up and speak in front of people without wetting myself. It it's it's a good organization. I've met, met a great bunch of guys, and they're guys that do anything for you. And you do anything for them. And you recognize that the organization extends across the planet. That's the cool part. You can find complete strangers in foreign countries that don't even speak your language that will extend you some level of aid. It may not be a first-class ticket home, but maybe be a, a sandwich and point you in a direction where you can get further help. And I think that's very cool. Me too. All right, Rob, I'm not going to shake your hand because i got a cold, but thank you very much for talking to me today. My pleasure.